the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratt's authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed our number two underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday morning, the 20th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks again to Eric Trump for coming on uh, with this last half hour. Thanks also to a really fantastic phone call. And I say that uh, carefully. Uh, certainly not fantastic because of what she endured, obviously, but um, just a really, really important point to be made uh, with respect to the comparison of uh, people who have endured um, assaults, or at least those who claim they have. Uh, those who have endured it, they have very distinct memories of it. Uh, some people, like Christine Blasey Ford, uh, not so much. Is it because she can't remember? Is it because it's hard to fabricate something and keep the story consistent? By the way, speaking of the consistency of the story, or the lack thereof, um, that Christine Blasey Ford is trying to tell uh, against Brett Kavanaugh, she says now that there was one other girl that she did tell. Remember, she originally told um, her California congresswoman who passed her letter on to Senator Dianne Feinstein in California and said that she told nobody about this alleged event that happened at a year she can't remember in the early 1980s, in a, in a location she can't remember, in the presence of other people that she can't remember. Um, all of this you know, nonsense going on. She said she didn't tell anybody. Now she says she did tell somebody. And she reached out to that somebody to see if she remembers her telling her about it. And the girl said, yeah, we were all talking about it in school for the next several days. Shortly after making that statement, this other girl completely deleted all of her social media accounts, saying, well, I don't remember it firsthand, but I do believe her. Big problem with that. Christine Blasey Ford declared that this happened during the summer. There was no school. 
They're making it up as they go along. And because they're making it up as they go along, they need to be called in front of the Congress, in front of the Senate, in particular the Judiciary Committee. And I'm tired of the games now with, we have invited her to testify. If she won't accept said invitation after declaring she wanted and demanded to testify, then they need to subpoena her to testify. You don't get to slander a man's name and character. You don't get to assassinate his character, try to destroy his career, and then say, I'm not saying anything else. You must come forward with proof, with evidence, with something compelling in order for this situation to be rectified. If she won't come voluntarily, then they need to subpoena her. If she refuses to honor the subpoena, they need to say, first of all, we'll, we'll see you in court because we are going to, uh, we're going to file charges. And number two, uh, we need to have that vote immediately. Vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh and get this over with. Senator David Perdue this morning said, there is no other choice. They've had Democrats have had this letter since July. Chairman Grassley's done a great job in this process. We've allowed, uh, provided over 500,000 pages of discovery. There have been six FBI investigations of this man, and it's time. We want, if this information is there, we want that information before the committee and before the Senate. But if she won't give that information, if she won't speak on what she says happened, then they have no choice but to say this is a non-starter, it's a non-issue, she is obviously not serious or credible, let's move onward and have the vote. What we want, and I think Judge Kavanaugh would want this too, would be an airing, a clean airing of this new information. Um, He says, he's innocent and um, we have to get this information out if the person who has this information doesn't provide it then i think it's time we face the reality that we need to move on that's right we need to move on and we need to have this vote uh some other perspectives on this before i go to your phone calls senate judiciary chair uh, judiciary committee chairman chuck grassley unloaded yesterday he's had enough of this just a barrage of criticism of Senator Dianne Feinstein for her handling of this allegation. Telling the ranking Democrat on the committee, quote, I cannot overstate how disappointed I am. Senator, uh, uh, saying Feinstein chose to sit on the allegations until a politically opportune moment, which is exactly correct. He demanded that she immediately turn over an unredacted copy of the letter from Kavanaugh's accuser. Immediately. And that, to me, is very telling because I didn't know that the Republicans still haven't received an actual unredacted copy of the letter of complaint. That was news to me. I did not realize that. How, how can they honestly expect Republicans to take this seriously when they won't take this seriously? Even enough to give them the letter so they can say, okay, let's see what's in this thing so we know what our next step should be. She sat on these allegations until a, a politically opportune moment, which is the 11th hour. We can't stop him. We tried. Spartacus tried. We tried documents. We tried um, uh, the, 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 the racial uh, profiling issue. We did everything we could. We can't stop him. He's too good. We couldn't lay a glove on him. Hail Mary time. Let's do this. So Grassley essentially has laid into uh, Dianne Feinstein and the Democrats for this ridiculous uh, this ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, story that they're telling and the way that they're handling this, they are tr- attempting to allow a witness, a Senate Judiciary Committee witness to run the Senate Judiciary Committee. She wants to pick the time and place. 
She wants to dictate what kind of investigation is done before um, uh, she'll testify. She does not make the rules of the United States Senate. Dear Senator Feinstein, I'm writing to request that you provide me a copy of the letter dated July 30, 2018, that you received from Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, com- uh, containing allegations of sexual assault against Judge Brett Kavanaugh. My staff has made repeated requests for this document, which has become a significant piece of evidence in Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation process, but your staff has so far refused to provide a copy of the letter. You are- this is amazing to me. This is-, this is September 20th. The letter dated yesterday, September 19th. They still haven't given the Senate Republicans a letter. You are able to share the unredacted copy with all the members of your caucus and their staff, as well as anyone else you choose. The only version we have of this letter is a redacted version contained in the supplemental FBI background investigation file that only senators and a handful of very select staff are authorized to read. Sexual assault allegations deserve serious attention. And those who made such allegations must be heard. They should not be deployed strategically for political gain. You received the letter approximately seven weeks ago. But the contents of the letter were leaked only last week when it appeared the Senate was about to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. There were numerous opportunities to raise the serious allegations made in the letter during the course of the nomination process. They could have been raised in your closed-door meeting with Judge Kavanaugh on August 20th. Sixty-four other senators also met with Judge Kavanaugh prior to this confirmation hearing. These senators could have asked Judge Kavanaugh about these allegations if you had shared the letter. Your staff could have raised these allegations during routine background investigation phone calls in late August. Questions about these allegations could have been asked of Judge Kavanaugh during his more than 32 hours of testimony before the committee over the course of three days. You could have asked him about these allegations during the closed, door, a closed session of his confirmation hearing where sensitive material can be discussed, but you did not attend the closed session. Finally, these allegations could have been addressed in one of the nearly 1,300 written questions issued to him after the hearing. More written questions to any Supreme Court nominee than all prior Supreme Court nominees combined. You have said that you didn't raise Dr. Ford's allegations previously because you wanted to protect Dr. Ford's anonymity. But these allegations could have been raised to me or to Judge Kavanaugh. I mean, this this goes on and on while protecting her anonymity. I'm not going to read the rest of the letter, but he's laying it all out, and he's right. This cannot be allowed to stand, and they cannot be allowed to profit from their deception. They cannot be allowed to profit from their dishonesty, from their hiding of this information from these very vague allegations that don't have to be proven with any testimony or corroboration because she doesn't want to. It just simply cannot go this way. And as I said previously, and not that this is news, the goal here isn't to actually prove Brett Kavanaugh did anything. The goal here is just to drag this out long enough for November to be here. And now, hey, we've got to vote in this midterm. We don't have time for confirmation hearings. We'll do this after the, the, the midterms. And then after the midterms, you know the game from there. After the midterms, it's win the, uh, you know, win the midterms, win the uh, uh, House majority, file articles of impeachment immediately and say, ah, presidents under impeachment can't have Supreme Court confirmation hearings. Maisie Hirona, the Democrat from Hawaii, essentially admitted as much. She gave a lengthy interview yesterday, no, not yesterday, uh, Tuesday, to the Washington, uh, according to the Washington Free Beacon, in which she insisted that a Supreme Court seat could, be re- could remain vacant for years. That's the goal here. 
they would prefer not only to put it off until after the midterms, but to put it off altogether until a new Repu- or until a new Democrat is elected president, so they can then fill it uh, this this balance changing seat on the Supreme Court with a liberal. They cannot be allowed to do this. They cannot be allowed to win. And I cannot stress this strongly enough. Contact Rob Portman. Contact Sherrod Brown. Not that that'll do any good, because he's a part of all of this. But contact your senators and tell them that we will not allow this kind of nonsense to corrupt the nomination process today, because if we do, it absolutely corrupts it for tomorrow. This will be the new normal. If we allow them to get away with this, it must be stopped. Back after this. Ten twenty-four. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We're going to call here from Kate, who's in Vermilion uh, on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Kate. Go ahead. Hi. Yes, you know what, I, I believe it's the Democratic route, no matter what, they've been stalling the whole time. But I have been talking to some women, and I said, you know, I'm going to discount the fact that she hasn't really told anybody. Of course, you've given new information since then. And I was talking about this with my daughter on her way to work today, and she goes, you know, Mom, I said, I, do, I won't give her credit that maybe she was so embarrassed or it was so traumatic she didn't talk to anybody. I'll give her a little bit of credit on there, a little leeway. And she goes, you know, Mom, she says, when I had that job at 18 years old, and she told me where, and I said, yes. She says, you remember how I quit suddenly? I said, yes. And she says, well, because I was making coffee, uh, no, cleaning up coffee, the coffee pot before I was going to leave, and the salesman came out from nowhere and started kissing me on, on my neck, and I really hiked them good. And she says, and I quit. I didn't show up after the next day, and I just quit. I said, did you tell your friends? And she goes, Mom, I told no one. I'm telling you for the first time, and this is 30 years later. So uh, it is a possibility that she held back from telling anybody. I was going to give her the leeway, but now that my daughter told me this, that is a good possibility that she held it back. But is her information correct from memory, or is it this, the person that she's accusing? Um, I well, here, 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 well, here, here, here's the difference. Here's the difference, though, though, Kate. Uh, from what you just described, she knew where she was. She knew when yes. she was. She remembered what yes. she was doing. She knew the location. Yes. She knew the year. She knew all of those things. And right. she had information. And she and, and it also, you know, being and don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting being kissed on the neck is something that one would want if it's uninvited. Clearly, right. but it is different right. than an allegation of somebody trying to rip my clothes off and and yes. commit a sex assault um, with someone's room. Exactly. Totally denied it. Exactly. And and when you claim that there's only one other witness and that other witness says, she's nuts, uh, never was I there, I don't recall anything of the sort, and also of what I know of Brett Kavanaugh, he has never behaved that like that in his life. So if your only witness is saying you're wrong, then you have no witnesses and you have no evidence. You don't know the time. You don't know the day. You don't know the year. You don't know the home. You don't know how you got there. You don't know how you left there. You didn't tell anybody. Now you're saying I did tell somebody who says, well, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of it, And but we were talking about it in school after that except that it was in the summertime you claim so there was no school i mean everything she has said has proven to be absolutely shot full of holes nothing there no wonder they want an fbi investigation because her own story is just flat out unbelievable and i don't mean that as in wow that's an unbelievable story i mean not able to be believed there is zero evidence to corroborate it 
So she wants an FBI investigation. They do. So they can drag this out, and at the end they can say the FBI found nothing. So we have no, no, no credible evidence. Now let's move forward. Oh, hey, by the way, it's January. The FBI investigation is over, and it's January, so we can move forward. And, oh, by the way, we're, we're going to impeach the president so he doesn't get to pick a Supreme Court nominee. This is so transparent. It's so obvious and plain for everyone to see. Joanne in Twinsburg next. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Bob. You know, you took part of my thunder. I mean, a redacted cut. What could possibly be redacted? I mean, that, yeah, I don't know. That's a great I mean, question. Besides her name, I mean, what else? Why can't Grassley even get a letter? Second of all, I'm starting to believe that this whole thing was manufactured. I don't think this woman has a story. I think they're I don't either. a story. And I think they're screwing it up like they screw up everything else. I they think they absolutely so fabricated this. People just say the hell with it. Yeah, I, I think they absolutely fabricated this. And here's what I here's what I can't wait to see. I want somebody to get to the bottom because there there are reports now, loose reports now, that she was concocting an identical story uh, a few uh, or a year ago about Neil Gorsuch. As it turns out, and I don't know if many people know this, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh went to the very same high school, and they were there just two years apart. So. So she was, according to these reports, concocting a similar story to try to stop Neil Gorsuch just last year when he was appointed to the court. Now, we don't have any evidence of that yet, but this is what they're looking into, and I hope they get to the bottom of that, because that will tell us everything we want to know. It will also tell us why in 2012 she refused to give a name to her therapist when she just said, this person has risen to a great uh, place of national prominence and and, 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 and uh, a very high power, because she just wanted to be able to get either one of them. I believe this is a long game that started in 2012 when she went to this therapist, when Mitt Romney uh, was the um, uh, Republican nominee, and if he won, he would have been able to to appoint a Brett Kavanaugh, a Neil Gorsuch, or any of these others. And this was the, the groundwork that was laid. You know, I'm going to talk to a therapist. I'm going to give these very vague uh, suggestions of a sexual assault. And I'm going to have no evidence whatsoever, but I'm going to use this if I have to stop somebody. Well, it turns out Obama won the election, so they didn't have to use it in 2000, uh, or won re-election, didn't have to use it in uh, in uh, 2012, or 13, 14, 15. Now Trump wins, and aha, we're going to have to dust this off and use this. I don't believe one single solitary word of it. Amy is in Hudson. Amy, I only have a minute. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, Amy, Hello? you're on the air. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Um, I have two points, and I'll make them very quickly. Um, okay. One is about Eric Trump. He mentioned that uh, the Democrats have no message. However, I do disagree. Their message is socialism, which is a slow road to communism, although they don't want to talk about it. Uh, and um, their goal is to control the population. Every single people will be controlled. Look at China. And number two comment is, as a woman, I am ashamed of this lying female, Mrs. Ford, and I'm using the word Mrs. on purpose, regarding her imaginary assault by Judge Kavanaugh. And that's all I want to say. Amy, I'm so glad you said it. Then you're right, by the way, about their goal and what their, uh, you know, what their ideology is. Very well said. Thank you so much. It's 1030. We'll get news now on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike Gallagher, coming up at 11 on AM 1420, The Answer.
Oh, we got to change this song quick. I almost uh, walked out. I almost walked out of the studio. You don't know this, Samuel Lockhart, our producer, who is running such a great show today, but that for many, many years was my closing, my outro song to the end, at the end of my radio shows. For many years, in my 21 years of doing this, I used that. So I heard that, and I was like, oh, is the show over? I was about to get out of here. Uh, now you know. <laughs> 10.35 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll get back to more of your phone calls on uh, Judge Kavanaugh and this uh, unbelievable witch. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't know that there could be another story, another situation uh, that would be more apropos of the phrase witch hunt than the Russian investigation of our president or the investigation into uh, alleged uh, uh, ties between Russia and our president. That is the ultimate witch hunt, but I think we found one that, that fits that bill even more. It is the witch hunt against Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, by a liberal professor in California working with liberal operatives uh, who are working very, very hard to smear that man's character, destroy his career, and to stop his nomination in its tracks. We'll get back to that, but I want to take time out now and uh, welcome our good friend Dale Bellis back to our program. Dale Bellis is the chairman and the founder of Liberty HealthShare, uh, online at libertyhealthshare.org with a lot of great information to share with us. Hey, Dale, good to talk to you again. How are you? It is such a pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thanks for the invitation. Well, thanks for giving me a bit of a time out. I have been going wall-to-wall nonstop with this terrible story of the accusations against Judge Kavanaugh uh, for the last four days, really, since this whole thing started over the weekend. So I'm glad to be able to talk about something else for a few minutes here. Uh, and that, of course, would be uh, would be Liberty Health Share. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I won't ask you to be political on this but uh, uh, because that's not uh, what you're here for, but uh, uh, it's a pretty amazing thing we're watching right now, isn't it? Well, it really is. It fits into what the, the national conversation uh, that we ha- have on multiple topics, and health care has certainly been a part of that national conversation. It's on everyone's mind. Uh, it, it, everyone is talking about it. Our leaders in Washington, D.C. seem confounded by it. They uh, are and indeed. It, it is, it, and it is just simply an opportunity for us in the healthcare sharing arena, but to say, you know what, we found a, ru- a true solution to this issue of healthcare, and we want to share it. Let's 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 talk about where things are right now um, and and how that works because obviously in November, Dale, um, we're we're going to choose the leadership uh, of of the uh, of the House and of the Senate, and if Republicans are able to hold on to the leadership, there is no doubt going to be another effort. At least I would hope. Uh, for a full repeal of what we now know as the Affordable Care Act, or we have known as Obamacare. We do know that they were able to get rid of the mandatory, the individual mandate, rather, to have health insurance, but Obamacare lives on. And what it did to the health care industry and the health insurance industry, you know, it was devastating. Uh, and so many people's premiums went through the roof. So many people's deductibles went through the roofs. Their co-pays went up, and all of these things happened. People lost their doctors. And it really kind of sent people scrambling and searching for how am I supposed to take care of my family and make sure that our medical care is, um, you know, is provided for. And, and one of the answers to that is health sharing, which is what Liberty Health Share is all about. Tell us how that works. Yeah, well, thankfully, under the terms of the Affordable Care Act, uh, health sharing uh, is exempt from the requirements of the ACA, either the requirement to have insurance or from the mandate of the ACA. And so it really gives us people of faith and values the opportunity uh, to really band together, meet each other's medical costs, 
and do so on the premise that, that is consistent with our conscience, with our values, so our money is not used in ways that would violate our closely held beliefs, but meeting uh, the, the kinds of unexpected and unaffordable costs that occur and exist uh, in our world today, and we do it on the basis of mutual care, of mutual assistance, where my money every month is going to another person who pays to help pay their bills, and then should I have an expense, that same group is there to help pay mine. And that's what Liberty Health Share is all about. Where, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Dale Bellis, who is the founder uh, and uh, and chairman of Liberty Health Share. Uh, you've got 25 years of experience in healthcare management. Uh, can you tell me how this was born? I know I've asked you this in previous conversations, but for those who may have missed those, Dale, tell us how you got started with Liberty Health Share. Well, I've been a healthcare administrator, as you've just said, for several a couple of decades or more. Uh, and it was during the passage of the Affordable Care Act that it just hit me like a ton of bricks, Bob. There's got to be a way for the ordinary American uh, to meet health care costs without this over-intrusion of the federal government into some of the most private, personal areas of our lives. Health care touches on uh, those arenas that really do reflect our own personal values and beliefs. How do we go about doing that? I began to do that kind of research, launched Liberty Health Share uh, as a reorganization, a relaunch of an existing healthcare sharing ministry. It had been in place since 1995 mm-hmm. to take this principle of, uh, of assistance to one another uh, on the basis of our Christian values and engagement with one another and make it affordable and available for all started uh, Liberty Health Share uh, and then p- added our first member in 2013 we now have 100,000 families 240,000 members in all 50 states and through our technology of engagement with each other uh, where my money goes to another member we're as a group paying each other's bills to the extent of 30 million dollars of medical bills every month so, Dale, let's. You kind of gave a, a, a thumbnail sketch version of how this whole thing's work. You know, you, you this whole thing works. You pay uh, someone else so that they can pay their bills when they have needs. They do the same for you. Is your money targeted to a specific person who has needs? Let's say their kid is in a car accident, they have a broken leg, and they have this and that. And here's a list of the bills that they have to pay. Is is your money earmarked for that person, or does your money go into a general pool and then is withdrawn by people in need as they go. Yeah, every month we ask our members to set aside what we call a share amount because as we've just been talking, I'm literally sharing in the cost of another member uh and that goes into a secure online account. We call it our share box and then my share amount based on household size, single couple family is mm-hmm. then matched to another person who has medical bill. And I literally see my dollars flow from my account to theirs, so I know exactly where my money's going. Uh, I can message them with cheer, with encouragement, with prayer, uh, and then we cut the checks out of that receiving member's account uh, to the doctors and hospitals, uh, and that's our methodology for member-to-member, person-to-person cost sharing. Dale Bellis, how uh, how do those share amounts per month compare to typical premiums in a traditional health insurance model? Well, fair question, because really we have, haven't we, been uh, oriented for decades that the only way to meet health care costs 
is through health insurance. But we're here to basically say, no, there's a whole different methodology for meeting health care that's based on long-standing tradition. It's the way Christians have observed and engaged with each other for many, many years, and we're just making it available, affordable to all. Our members tell us it's about 50% less than what they would ordinarily be uh, spending for their health care arrangement wow. through traditional means. Uh, at present, our, our, we ask for a single to, to set aside uh, $299. A couple is 399 A family of three or more, we don't count more than three, is 529 And that's the amount that goes into that uh, share box I spoke about a moment ago uh, that, that's then distributed and they see their dollars truly uh, matched with another person. So our members transparently, openly see every month exactly where their money's going. We are talking to Dale Bellis, who's the chairman and uh, uh, founder of Liberty Health Share, which, as he has pointed out numerous times, is not health insurance. It is, uh, it is, it is a community of people who share one another's medical costs, and they contribute, as he pointed out, through share boxes uh, to uh, uh, you know to the the pool each month based on the rates that he just mentioned. And when you have needs, uh, your 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 needs are met uh, by other members. And I've asked you this before too, but but maybe you can refresh my memory, Dale. How do healthcare providers uh, treat people who come in without quote health insurance, but have instead um, health share a health share program like Liberty Health Share? Yeah, health sharing obviously has gained a great deal of uh, of awareness and recognition in the uh, healthcare provider world across the country in the last few years, and it's widely broadly accepted. Uh, our our payments from members uh, is prompt and reasonable and fair. Uh, it eliminates a significant amount uh, of administrative overhead and red tape that so frequently doctors have to go through uh, in terms of getting paid. Uh, and for that reason, they really do love it. Uh, our experience is 97% of all doctors and hospitals uh, accept uh, Liberty Health Share and health care sharing uh, payments. The other 3%, we just simply negotiate and resolve on behalf of our members, uh, and it is widely and broadly accepted. Dale, uh, just a couple more quick things for those, because uh, we want people to know about this. We want people who are interested, by the way, uh, in learning more about Liberty Health Share to call. And, and there's a phone number on the website that I'm staring at, and you can tell me if there's another one too, Dale, but it's 855-585-4237 to get more questions answered. Um, one of the questions I know people have about health care, health insurance, and now in health sharing is, uh, you know, the, the, the dirty word that, uh, you know, kind of got uh, the Affordable Care Act brought to uh, uh, into our lives. It's all about pre-existing conditions. Traditional health insurance did not cover pre-existing conditions. The Affordable Care Act wanted it to, and it's kind of why we are where we are. Uh, how does health sharing at Liberty Health Share deal with pre-existing conditions? Well, the mechanism uh, within the Affordable Care Act is an open enrollment period. Uh, that is, you can enroll throughout the course of the year. You can only do it uh, in a very specific window of time in the course of the year. That was the uh, ACA's approach to pre-existing. Uh, we have a mechanism, and it's essentially twofold. Uh, one is we don't share in pre-existings uh, in the first year. 
so anyone can join us any month of the of the year throughout the course of the uh, of the uh, year. Uh, but the first year we don't share in it. Then we pick up on begin to phase that in so that after uh, after three years it's no longer pre-existing. That's number one. But number two, probably the most practical way, uh, is that the vast, vast majority of pre-existing conditions presented whenever an individual enrolls uh, is what I would refer to as chronic conditions mm-hmm. that are subject, frankly, to lifestyle changes. We welcome folks with the conditions like high blood pressure and, uh, and uh, uh, heart disease or type 2 diabetes. Uh, certainly obesity and smoking and cholesterol, all of those conditions are responsive to simply the way I choose to live, the way I eat, exercise, sleep, reduce stress, etc. We assign those members a health coach. It's called Health Track. costs an additional $80, but with that health coach, they set uh, very specific customized treatment plans and goals. They work towards uh, achieving those objectives, uh, it, it alters, affects their particular uh, condition. We share in those expenses of pre-existings so long as they're a part of Health Track. They graduate from the program once they reach their goals. We send up digital balloons for them in our monthly newsletter. Uh, and we're seeing lives transform, frankly, Bob, as a result of that health track program. That is such a great thing. That's one of the best features of this. Uh, and each time I talk to you, I'm, I'm really amazed by that because not only uh, does it keep costs down by, by encouraging a healthier lifestyle and thus needing you know less medical care, uh, it, it, as you said, it makes people healthier. I mean, you literally are going to be in better shape, feel better, live better than uh, than you were prior to this. That's just one of the great benefits of Liberty Health. Well, we, so, we know, mm-hmm. we know that, that, that our weight is one of the primary indicators of future health and wellness. Uh, and that's one of our uh, ministries to those who come to us. We, we had in 2017, i got to tell you this quickly, in 2017, 1,605 people joined the program with an indication of a need to lose weight. We have very relaxed standards, but even based upon our standards, they had to lose weight. We assigned them a health coach. They paid the additional $80 through positive support and reinforcement and accountability. That 1,605 people lost, get this, over 32,000 pounds together. That's 16 tons. That is amazing. (laughs) We celebrated their achievement. They gave us incredible testimonies about how life-transforming that uh, experience was, and we're truly seeing those kinds of accomplishments every day. Well, I'll tell you what, it's it's in my nature to help people when they lose things. I try to find them for them. I think I found about an extra 20 or so of those. <laughs> so if people want to know where they are, I've... Uh... I, I've got track of them for you. Um, Dale Bellis, uh, founder and, uh, and chairman of, uh, of Liberty Health Share, one more time, how can people get involved in this fantastic uh, health, uh, health cost-sharing ministry? Uh, it's such a gr- wonderful group and a wonderful organization growing throughout this country, as you pointed out. Uh, if people are interested in meeting their health care needs or health care costs with the Liberty Health Share, what do they do? Uh, LibertyHealthShare.org is the best place to go, libertyhealthshare.org. There's a place there, by the way, to get a free information packet. We call it a decision guide. Just give your name and email address. It gets delivered electronically to your email, chock full of explanation and information about Liberty HealthShare. That's a great place to start. The toll-free number that you gave out uh, a moment ago is there on our webpage. 
Uh, best way to remember it, interestingly, is 855-58-LIBERTY, 855-58-LIBERTY, or peruse the pages of the website. There's a great frequently asked questions page there, but libertyhealthshare.org is the place to go. So even if you already have health insurance, if you're looking for a better way and you'd like to get away from insurance and get into health care cost sharing, uh, make sure you go to that site, libertyhealthshare.org, and li- at least get the free decision guide and look at it for yourself. And that number that uh, Dale just said, 855-58-LIBERTY. That's 855-585-4237. Dale, it's always fun talking to you. Thanks so much for giving this great information to our listeners. Uh, this is something that I know they really take seriously. And the fact that it's being shared among fellow Christians, of course, everyone is welcome, uh, is, is, is something that I know they appreciate, and I thank you so much for the time. Bob, thank you for the invitation. God bless. God bless you as well. Thank you so much. It's 1051. I've got time for a few more phone calls here before the top of the hour. Back to the Kavanaugh story, whatever it is you would like to do, the conversation I had with Eric Trump this morning, anything you want to react to, we'll bring you up uh, quickly on AM 1420, The Answer. So I need to share this part of the story, if I can, please. <laughs> uh, going back to the uh, the Kavanaugh story, um, the inconsistencies here would honestly sink this if it were a, a you know a movie screenplay. The plot holes would just be so thick, you know, or so big. I should say, people would say, "No, come on, stop that." Um, it, it's really amazing. You know how Christine Blasey Ford has been so consistent in saying she never told anybody. She never told anybody. She didn't tell her parents. She didn't tell her classmates. She didn't tell her friends. She didn't tell any uh, um, uh, 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 teachers. She didn't tell police officers that she was sexually assaulted. She didn't tell anybody anything. Now come to find out, she wants us to believe that she did tell people, and she's asking people from her school, her school days, to testify to this or to join her and corroborate her story about this. The problem is the people she's asking are saying, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> this one individual, I, and I'm sorry for making light of this by laughing, but honestly, because it's not a laughing matter, but, but these people, you, you either have to laugh at them or else you find yourself wanting to you know, scream at them. And I don't feel like screaming right now, but uh, one woman uh, has, has come forth here on social media at the request of Christine Blasey Ford to say, yeah, I heard about this back then. Her name is Christina King Miranda, and she said on Twitter on Tuesday that she had heard about this incident shortly after it happened. Quote, Christine Blasey Ford was a year or so behind me. I remember her. The incident was spoken about for days afterwards in school. Well, number one, how could it be talked about in school if Christine Blasey Ford has said repeatedly she didn't tell anyone? There's nobody that could be talking about it. She didn't tell anyone. What is there to talk about? That's number one. Number two, Christine Blasey Ford said that this happened during a summer party. A summer party. Which means there is no school. I mean, it is, uh, that's why this uh, woman, Christina King Miranda, um, deleted her accounts. 
She said, yeah, I don't really, I don't have any first-hand knowledge of this, and I don't really want to say anything else. She literally said, quote, I do not have any first-hand knowledge of the incident that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford mentions, and I stand by my support for her. That's it. I don't have any more to say on the subject. So I support her, even though I have zero knowledge of any of it. That's number one. And now we have a third person that has come forth and said, no, her story doesn't really ring true at all. A third attendee of the school, a high school classmate of Kavanaugh named Patrick J. Smythe, has provided a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee completely rebutting Ford's story. Uh, Ford told Diane Feinstein that Kavanaugh physically and sexually assaulted her in high school during the early 1980s. It occurred in a suburban Maryland area home at a gathering that included me and four others. On September 16th, Washington Post ran this investigative story on her first-hand account. She said there were four boys at the party, but only two in the room, which contradicts her story that she told her therapist in 2012. Well, the Post reported that Ford named two others that she alleged were at the party. The Post tried unsuccessfully to contact these two and did not name them in its story, but she named two other people who said that uh, she said were at the party. Patrick Smythe, an individual who understands himself to be one of the alleged attendees, has written a letter to the Senate saying, not true. Everybody who has been identified as somebody who could corroborate her fairy tale is poking holes in it and saying, nope, didn't happen, or I have no first-hand knowledge of anything. This charade must end, and it must end on Monday at the very latest. Get this vote done, get him confirmed, and then let's move on. That's my last word on it for the day. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. He's got more words to say, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.